Hey guys, hope you're well. Still don't know what to call this podcast yet, but we'll get through it. So, a couple months ago, I did an interview with Bill Say, who runs Just Say Training, and we talked about a lot about uh, mental health, the causes of mental health, self harm, autism, and all the kind of different aspects of mental health as well. In this kind of really long um, interview that we had, we volunteered to do it, and it was great. So this is just for the podcast people on listening to the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it, guys. Take care. Cool. Um, well, my name's Bill Say, and I've uh, I was I'm a psychologist, and I worked for probably 20 years in Australia in mental health. Um, worked in prisons, homeless shelters, psych wards, mm-hmm. private practice, mm-hmm. and been in England for nine years because of my son. I'm here to raise my little boy, whose mm-hmm. mum's from England. Mm-hmm. Hence, I'm here, not for the weather. Um, <laughs> although the weather's lovely, uh, beer's good. But so yeah, so I've worked in I've worked in complex needs primarily with adults and teenagers. But um, complex needs is kind of where there isn't a, a, a single definable uh, mental health condition. Mm. You know, it might be anxiety co- combined with substance misuse. You know, dual diagnosed people. As well as a lot of personality disorders, a lot of people who have got uh, a lot of trauma in their past, mm-hmm. a lot of trauma in their background. And I was a senior psychologist in the maximum security prison for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So I met a lot of the same people in the homeless shelter okay. in Melbourne, yeah. where we saw maybe a thousand people per year come through the doors because it was a crisis facility. And, and it was really interesting. Their backgrounds were so similar to the people I met in prison. You know, a lot of the guys that I worked with in prisons who had multiple experiences of trauma, of uh, impoverished childhoods or emotionally impoverished childhoods mm. rather than just financially. Um, I've also worked with, you know, people with significant mental health issues who don't have a discernible trauma mm. background at all. Uh, and so since then, since coming to England, I've worked in drug and alcohol services for quite a while, running substance misuse groups in okay. rehab facilities. Yeah for heroin, alcohol, that sort of thing. Um, and set up a training company. So I do a lot of mental health training now all over England. It's called mm-hmm. Just Say Training, because my last name's Say. They were saying, I thought Just Say Training was really clever. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, 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 perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's brilliant. You seem like you've got a lot of, uh, quite a bit of knowledge around mental health and uh, just mental illness as well, and even deeper into that. So I think the most obvious question for me is like, what is kind of mental health? I know mental health is so huge, yeah. and mental health is so huge, but can you just give like a brief, almost really like quick summary of what it quick is? Summary. Yeah. Mental health is, is, so when one feels, when a person feels that they don't, um, they don't fit in, mm-hmm. they don't feel uh, integrated within themselves, they might, um, well, depression, anxiety, they're the two biggest forms of mental health. But it's interesting, mental health hasn't really been defined. We're talking about mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I think mental health, it's, it's hard to define what is a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think it's easy to say that every single person on earth will experience times of great sadness, times of natural anxiety, you know, where we're nervous about, you know, yeah, going to do things. Absolutely. There, but then it's hard to differentiate. I yeah. Think. And so, so a mental illness or a mental health yeah. condition is really something that persists mm. without a cause being obvious. Mm. Yeah. Like schizophrenia is something that, you know, I've worked with lots of people with schizophrenia. And that's a significant mental health condition or mental illness yeah. um, in that in the people are actually hearing 
voices, hallucinatory experiences, or maybe even seeing things that aren't there. But, but to that person, they appear extraordinarily real. Um, so yeah, mental, it, it, mental health, how, how do we define it? It's a combination. It's a combination of traumatic events, certainly are correlated with mental health conditions. You know, so, and trauma could be anything from a, a significant violent event or a, you know, a car accident or something like that, or a war, or, you know, they're all mm. traumatic. Mm. Or it might be simply not fitting into your family environment, feeling like you're the odd one out, the black sheep, or getting bullied at school can be extreme, extraordinarily traumatic for people. And these are all correlates with mental illness or mental health conditions. Um, and, and therefore, that can occur. There's also something, there's a consideration of, who are you? You know, we're all born different. I ask parents a lot. I do a lot of work with foster parents and, and biological parents. Mm. You know, if you've got more than one child, do they come out the same? Yeah. And everyone says, of course they don't. Yeah. You know, your brother's yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet you guys have different temperaments. Yeah, we do, yeah. 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 And, and that's just natural. And some of the temperaments, you know, we haven't got time to go into the personality yeah. models, but the five-factor model of personality means that we come out with, with different, um, different attributes and temperaments. One that we know about is extroversion, introversion. You know, people can be anywhere on that scale from extremely introverted, meaning that they, they, they derive great solace and calm by being on their own and not, not getting too much stimulation. And they'll, they'll regenerate to the extreme levels of extroversion where people feel really calm with ex a lot of stimulation. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, if we've got somebody who's very extroverted, but they live without much stimulation, they're going to get awkward and uncomfortable because they need more stimulus to calm down. Yet their brothers, sisters, friends might be very introverted and they'll, they'll, they'll relish that sort of environment. So one person will suffer from the same stimulus because it doesn't suit their temperament. Does it make sense? So we yeah. come in, that's just one of the five variables, like there's openness to new experiences. Yeah. Again, a scale. Anywhere on there, we're born with that. This is our yeah. traits. That's what stays with us through our lives. Openness, conscientiousness. Some people are pretty laid back, you know? And that, that's a wonderful thing because they get things done. They don't over-worry about things. Some people are very conscientious. Fantastic, they get stuff done. Mm. Extroverts are really outgoing. Uh, mm. Then we've got agreeableness. You know, lawyers, you don't want to be high on agreeableness to be a politician. Yeah. You know, politicians, lawyers, well, yeah. some lawyers are, but politicians, imagine being Theresa May and going through what she's gone through. Yeah. That thick skin that she needs. You have to be over that. You have to, yeah. yeah. And so it's finding, and, and then the last one is neuroticism, which is an experience of negative emotions. And some people are born with a high level of neuroticism, simply meaning that they will feel sensitive to negative emotions far more than others who, who kind of roll with it. Now, those who are high, with, high in neuroticism can make wonderful carers, support workers, psychologists, etc., because they have great empathy and compassion for others they really feel others pain those who are low are magnificent at other aspects of life mm. so we come out and we're all unique yeah and and that uniqueness needs to fit somewhere in the world and when that and when that fit just doesn't work or you've never been been held enough through those early childhood years you know held safe enough mm -hmm. you will exist in a state of of um, distress and that distress 
can manifest in adult life as a, as a mental health issue. Okay. Whether it be anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, yeah, yeah. bipolar, mm. you know, eating disorders, uh, um, you know, mis- dysmorphic disorders, you know, believing things about yourself that aren't true, uh, delusional content. There's a huge array of this sort of stuff. And a lot of the time people cope with this stuff via uh, distractions. And some of those distractions are you know, substance misuse, yeah. drugs, yeah. alcohol, uh-huh. yeah, violence, yeah, yeah. Uh, wanton sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. you know, completely uh, running away, isolation, right. avoidance, yeah. you know. And then yeah. we say, oh, they've got a mental health, mental illness. Mm. Well, actually, they've got a life and that life can sometimes be a bugger. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> really we well, don't yeah. cope. Yeah. yeah. And then hopefully we can work it out and mm. get through it. Mm. Yeah. But it's not easy. Yeah, because it's that easy. Well, there's two things. We need, people need support. Mm. You know, and, and one, of the, one of the key aspects for mental health for me is isolation. Yeah. You know, isolation is, is devastating for anybody. Not fitting in, you know, um, feeling different. I've, I've been, anyway, I'll get back to that. But um, isolation is really key yeah. to, to feeling unsafe. And when you feel unsafe, you go into your fight-flight system. And in yes. your fight-flight system, yeah. which is called your sympathetic nervous system, your natural responses to nurture, love, belonging, um, all, all the business as usual stuff that makes us human sort of turns off mm. when there's a genuine threat. Okay. Yeah? And it's a bit like, I could, you know, I could turn off our emotions. We can turn our emotions off. We don't do it on purpose. But, but um, you know, like if there was a giant explosion that happened now, big explosion, blew the windows out, we would all jump. Mm. That would be an adrenaline shot. Yeah? Yeah? At that point, we would suddenly, I might be nervous about doing this interview, you know, I might mm. be thinking about, I don't know, I might have had a, an argument with my son this morning, I might be a bit sad, or I might, I didn't, but you know, imagine all these emotions are going on. At that point, those emotions would shut down and I would be interested in only survival. I would probably say, is everyone okay? We'd all talk to each other. Then we'd have a look and see what happened. Yeah, imagine, there's been a plane crash outside. You know, we'd probably go, God, there's people out there. We'd run and help. Mm. I think that's a natural response. You'd go and see what you could do to help. Yeah, it's really cold out there today. Mm. I bet we don't feel the cold. Yeah. And I bet I don't even feel angry, sad. I don't feel fear. I don't feel happy because I've got a job to do. My digestive system will turn off. My immune system might even turn off. Mm. My feelings shut down. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. When I'm in in a a state of... A state of uh, fight flight or sympathetic nervous system response to the world all the rest of me turns off as I deal with this crisis okay now that's great it's a wonderful thing it keeps the human being alive and it's not so much that there's a problem with the fight flight system it's brilliant you know without it we're all gonna not look when we cross the road not hear the bus coming and so suddenly get hit by a bus you know I become a superman when my son gets away from me on a busy road I can jump a mile and then I grab him because of my fear Mm. and then what do I do I grab him and then I yell at him Mm. that's the fight and the flight yeah (laughs) Yeah? the adrenaline the noradrenaline the cortisol anyway so the point is that that stuff turns off and if we maintain that level of anxiety or that level of distress where we feel threatened for, for, for an extended period of time. We're not actually growing, we're not actually feeling much, yeah? We're sort of dissociating from who we really are. Okay. Because at that point, 
we're just going to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's fine. Great. 12 hours we're out there. Let's say 12 hours. We're saving lives. I might, pick, I might say to you, look, you know, grab the end of this wing and we'll lift it. And as we're lifting it, there's a guy there. Now, I, I, I gash my arm. Do you reckon I'd feel it? No, Probably wouldn't even feel pain at yeah. this point. Yeah. So all my, all my sense of connection with people, it's just here and now. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And then I nurse him, you know, and uh, I'd lose my self-consciousness. I might take my shirt off and tie a tourniquet. You know, I wouldn't do that in normal life. Yeah. So it's a wonderful thing. 12 hours and then they come. I tap you on the shoulder and say, well done, saved lives, go home. You kind of go, okay, thanks. No, no, I'm all right. He says, thanks, man, you saved my life. I go, no, no worries, you would have done the same for me. Mm. Very, very combined, it's very connected, mm. this sort of thing. We're in it together. Yeah. We'd get to know each other. We'd be a tribe now. Yeah. We'd be close. But then what happens when we finish? 12 hours of this. What happens? We get up to go back to the car. Tell you what. The shaking starts. Yeah. Then the tears might flow. And then the incredible reality of what you've just been through might hit you like a ton of bricks. Okay. Yeah. And then you're left with all sorts of stuff to, to, to process. Mm. So you go to bed, you probably crash for hours and hours because it's exhausting. And then, and then in the morning, you might still have some cortisol. You might still be unwell. You know, a bit, a bit yeah. family is saying, come on, it's over now. You go, yeah. you weren't there. Might need to talk to somebody who was also there, you know, to feel how, how you guys are going. Now, that's, that's great. But you've got to process because you're going to have images, you're going to have... You're going to have thoughts and feelings that you haven't f dealt with. Now, is that, yeah? So imagine that happening. Imagine growing up in an environment in which you're unsafe for a really extended period of time, you know? Uh, you've got a family that is arguing all the time and you're scared that the family's going to separate. Yeah. Yeah? Or like bullying. Or you're being bullied like, because yeah. you're a bit tall, a bit short, a bit yeah. fat, a bit red, a bit black, a bit white, mm. whatever you are, mm. you know, you're a bit different yeah, in some yeah, way, yeah, anything yeah, at anything, all, yeah. yeah, and so suddenly you don't quite fit in, mm -hmm. and you exist in that state for a long time. It's going to be hard to process and learn how you feel about things, who you are, your identity gets lost in your, ability, in your efforts to just survive. Mm. This is happening to lots of people, and mm. social media... I believe social media to be complicit in some of the upsurge in yeah. mental health awareness, but also in the upsurge in, you know, I, I do a lot of work with self-harm, and, yeah. and self-harm seems to be, you know, really escalating a yeah. lot. Yeah, um, oh, that's the other question I was going to ask you yeah. as well. Um, a lot of people don't know why they have to fit into self-harm, mm. so it's almost like a natural reaction. So when you feel bad, you almost want to like get angry and like almost hurt yourself. So I want you to talk about. Um, just mention like why does that happen? Why do we want to hurt ourselves? Yeah, it's, it's a, like, it seems kind of counterproductive. Counterintuitive. Yeah, counterintuitive. Yeah, definitely. does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I know that might be a bit <laughs> massive to go into. Yeah, well, like in two minutes or less. Well, self harm is a really interesting one. Uh, it's natural. Huh? You know, um, animal self harm. Okay. Yeah, if you put a bird in a cage and don't give them attention, they'll yeah. start pulling their feathers out. Okay. Trichotillomania and, and, you know, hair pulling. Yeah. Dogs will, will pick away at sores. Mm. Abused dogs will do that more readily than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of reasons that mammals may self-harm. Yeah. And, and it's obviously got to, it's got to provide a solution. Now, fundamentally, I think, um, for, for a lot of people, and this doesn't explain all self-harming, because 
one, there's 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 certain amount of uh, uh, inclusivity with self harming. You know, if if you're feeling a little bit alien, a little bit outside of it, your your, your social network, and you know that somebody's scratching a little bit, yeah. but that's kind of the that's kind of the admission into belonging. Yes. You know, like the goths and the emos might have right. might have done that, and it's kind of like now I belong. Okay. And I'll tell you what, this goes to tribalism and, you know, study of tribes. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, there is nothing worse than isolation. You will do whatever it takes to belong mm-hmm. somewhere. And if that's the only way in, you'll do it. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and often you will find a great empathy and a, a simpatico with those people because you'll see that they feel slightly alienated too. Yeah. You kind of go, well, let's be alienated together. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Let's all be unique together. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's great. Yeah, but, you know, there's that. And I'm not suggesting that that's undermining their experience of, yeah, of not fitting in. But, but then there's the deeper level of self-harming, which I believe to be where the, where the, um, the, the, level of, the level of emotional distress that exists, trauma in the person, is so powerful. That feeling of like, I don't know who I am, I don't like myself, you know, the scathing self-talk that people mm-hmm. go through. We all do it yeah, to a yeah. certain extent. Um, when that is so extreme, there is a need to relieve, even for a period of time, that level of distress. Now, what we know is that our experience of pain physically is in the brain. Our pain centers are in the brain. Now, our experience of physical pain is up there. Mm-hmm. Our experience of emotional pain is in the same part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And how do we deal with physical pain? We release this stuff called enkephalin, which we know is endorphins. Right. Yeah, endorphins are our natural painkillers. So we've got these lovely endorphins that come along. How do we cure emotional pain? How do we get through emotional pain? Yeah. Well, when a child cries, you give them a hug. Mm. And when a kid cries, you give them a hug. And you help them, and you're there for them, and you, and you encourage them to be strong, and you, you know, you help govern them because they yeah. haven't got a frontal lobe yet. They can yeah. do that themselves. Yeah. If that's been missing, they haven't had the lessons, if you like, of coping with emotional distress. But I still need endorphins because it's, un- it's unbelievably painful. Yeah. I don't want to live. I hate this. Mm. Now, it might not be suicidal. It might just be a dissociative experience where you kind of shut out all things and yeah. you don't feel real. Yeah. That's really common with self-harm. So how do you get endorphins? I'll tell you what. How do you get endorphins to that part of the brain? Cut yourself. Because that'll give you the endorphins. And it'll relieve the emotional distress for a period of time. And it's a lovely, and and it works. Mm. So people will do this and they'll go, that's it. It's not getting to the underlying cause. It's a panacea, you know. It's it's putting a band-aid on it. But it does work. And with relief comes a a lovely sense of reward, a dopamine surge. Oh, that's better. Mm. And then the guilt and the shame kicks in. And then the guilt and the shame cycles up to become the new negative experience that you've got to cope with. You know, I liken it to, um, I liken it, I I don't know, but I'd imagine it's something, this is probably a very banal and silly sort of example, but imagine if there was an alarm that went off here and one of those screeching, annoying, bloody alarms that, you know, really, Yeah. yeah, but we had to keep going. Yeah. We'd accommodate that, we'd habituate to it. It'd still be there and it'd still annoy us and it'd bug us, mm. but we'd keep talking. I'd talk louder, mm. we'd talk through it mm. and it goes for two hours. And then at some point it stops. We, we, we sort of forgot it was there, but it stops. You know that relief that you feel? Yeah. You just go, ah, oh. yeah. there'd be a moment of silence. <laughs> you know? 
I said, well, isn't that lovely? Okay, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's something about it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that constancy of distress that you don't even know you're in. And then somebody says, well, you see this somewhere or, or you hit your fist or you, or you cut yourself and suddenly that goes away. It's going to be very, very attractive. Mm. You know, so that, that's another aspect of self-harming. Yeah. One of the things I haven't talked about is, is, is mental health and, you know, we've got personality type. Yeah. We have to include things like uh, neurodiversity, you know, autism. I run a charity called ASPE, which is a charity in Worcester. Uh, and we've been going for seven years since a couple of years after I got here, I met this wonderful woman who's on the spectrum. So she started this charity and I've been involved in a lot of counselling work there with autistic people. They self-harm, 30% of autistic people will self-harm. Okay. It's really high. Is that more than normal? Yeah, way more, than, way more than the neurotypical, yeah, non-autistic. Yeah. You know, non okay. yeah um, but, but people with uh, developmental trauma during childhood, significant mm. developmental trauma during childhood, and leading to what, what is known as borderline personality disorder in adulthood, that's about 80% of those people will okay. self-harm. Yeah? Smart, yeah. Yeah, so it's really correlated yeah. with... And what's, the, what's the similarity between autism and, and developmental trauma is really interesting. We okay. think these are the big groups. Um, really interesting correlations there, because if you think really briefly, we exist as a species because we collect because we can't protect ourselves on our own, particularly with how long we have to rear children for, because we, you know, it takes the human race, you know, 22 years or 25 years or whatever it is to become adults. Yes. Yeah? Whereas, you know, most animals are there pretty quickly. Yeah, quickly yeah. We can't do anything. Yeah. We are yeah. so hopeless, yeah, yeah. yeah for so yeah. long. Yeah. So we need dedicated nurture. Yes. Who's going to feed you yeah. while you're nurturing? Mm. So we need somebody to hunt, we need somebody to build shelters. So you, can't, you have to belong. Okay. And life depended on belonging. Okay. So to be kicked out of any collective or a tribe mm. throughout human history meant death. Yeah. And that is terrifying. Yeah. And that will send you into your fight flight system. So we avoid rejection at all costs. And to experience rejection is a trauma. To be rejected by your primary caregivers on a freak, you know, occasionally, it doesn't matter. We're resilient, we can cope. Mm. But if that's, your, if that's your common experience of life, yeah. you're gonna live perpetually in trauma. Okay. Autistic people, uh, we now know, it's, well, there's a theory about uh, uh, cerebellar deficiency, which is not understanding the non-spoken, the, the non-verbal communications that we all share. Okay. You know, body language, yeah, eye contact, okay. yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, tonality. Uh, we learn those things. We learn those things through practice. Yeah. It, it, in some way, the autistic mind maybe hasn't been geared to learn the same things, just like a dyslexic person yeah. might get all the exposure to reading and writing, but somehow they can't neural pathway that stuff. Yeah. So that autistic person, that person with the, on the spectrum, somewhere on the spectrum, you know, high functioning, it doesn't matter, may have some impairment, well, they will have to get the diagnosis, some mm. impairment in their capacity to understand the non-verbals mm -hmm. so they're always going to and they're going to feel anxious often in every social setting because they're afraid they're going to say something that is inappropriate that yeah. isn't correct okay. they're misreading what's going on yeah you know that happens with anxiety mm -hmm. it happens with autism yeah. it happens with trauma so you can see that somebody who is in that level of distress i don't know how where to fit in i don't know how to get there you know, I, I don't know how to calm down. 
to be in my tribe. Mm. They might need, that's going to lead to a lot of emotional distress. So I don't think, that's not really mental health. That's not a mental illness at all. Mm. Not a mental illness. But it does give rise to higher levels of anxiety. And anxiety is, yeah, much higher levels of anxiety. Because there is a sense of not feeling safe. Safe. And, And there's some research being done recently that talks about trauma. Uh, uh, being being complicit in every sort of mental health issue. Okay. Yeah? That the, the body is, you know, that autonomic nervous system that I'm spe- speaking about, the sympathetic or the fight-flight, and the parasympathetic, business as usual, where we regenerate and everything's calm again. Yeah? Um, people who spend too long in that fight-flight system don't have, a compa- don't have the uh, opportunity to heal. Yeah. You know? We don't heal. The immune system gets turned off when we're really stressed. When we're under threat, we don't heal well. We don't heal physically and we don't heal emotionally. A bit like a doctor. If you break a bone, the doctor will say, put it in a cast, but who, who knits the bone together? I've never seen a doctor knit a bone together. Yeah. Never happened. Yeah. We do. The immune yeah, system does. Yeah, yeah. But the immune system takes up energy. So you're tired. Mm. You're going to be knackered. You're going to be sleeping. When you get the flu, you're tired. Mm. Your body says, lie down and let the immune system do its stuff. But if you need to be on edge, because the world's a dangerous place, well, you can't. Mm. And I can't process my sadness, I can't process my anger. I just stay in this fight flight. So mm. I'm quick to anxiety and quick to aggression. Having worked in prisons and, you yeah. know, I can see that people don't feel safe. And yeah. the biggest safety for me is, is belonging. Yeah. Knowing that somebody understands you is, is the absolutely paramount. It's, it's so important that you be understood. And uh, so it only takes two to make a tribe. Yeah. It's my sort of okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. basis. So I think mental health is very much about people learning to genuinely listen yeah. to another person and genuinely try and understand. Yeah. Doesn't it ma- doesn't even matter if you can't. Mm. But, just but that trying. person will know that yeah, you're try, actually yeah. trying, and that that attempt will say, "You mean I'm not on my own?" Yeah. No, you're not on your own. Ooh, now I can start to problem solve again mm. because the calmer I get, the deeper I go into my parasympathetic. Yeah, yeah. Business as usual means problem solving because that's what my brain's for. Mm. That's how we've survived as a species, not because we're quick, because we're not. We're not strong, we're not fast, we, we can't fly, we can't swim, we can't rip things apart with our teeth. Mm. We're hopeless. I grew up in Australia. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you go out there and everything will kill you. Yeah. yeah we shouldn't be here as a species. We're useless. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The only, our little niche is this puppy, yeah. our frontal lobe, and it's big mm. and it's connected to our emotional core. But it doesn't happen at birth. We have to learn emotional regulation, we have to learn empathy, we have to learn these things, and that's where a, a, a loving family, you know, a, doesn't have to be family, or it doesn't mean anybody. biological, yeah. it can be anybody, yeah, yeah. a friend, anybody who gets you and can help you through, is going to be worth their weight in gold yeah. to you being able to say, this is who I am, this is what I want. Right. You know? So that's mental health, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Good. Um, just a couple more things. Sure. Um, I think that a lot of, I think stuff with young people is to do with like the internet and online stuff. So do you think that because of the internet, mental health is like rising? 
or with young people especially? Or do you think the causes are just with the world or how it is? I think it's really interesting because um, I've been reading this great book lately uh, called Steve Pinkett, I hope it's spoken, and, uh, and it, it's sort of proving that actually the world's getting much better. Okay. You know, through statistics. Yes, Let's yeah. count. The world's getting much better. Violence rates are coming down. Yeah. You know, uh, there's been... It's a, it's a time of great peace since the Second World War, you know, it, globally. You know, there's a, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that, like in the last, I think it's 12 years or something, mm. the rate of, the rate of, uh, the UN rate of poverty has improved by 50% mm. across the world. 50%. You know, it's massive. Yeah. Uh, however, we don't get that information. Okay. We just get sell. We get media. doom and we get gloom. Yeah. Yes. Just media and news. And Absolutely. Media. Because that sells, and we are yeah. more interested in the negative. Yeah. It's harder to. We. Here's, here's a sort of the idea is that we get more upset by losing ten quid than we would get happy by finding it. Okay. So we're more attuned to feel the negatives. Okay. Yeah. So and they're more interesting to us. Yeah. Imagine the headlines yeah. today in Birmingham. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Breaking news. There was no war today. Yeah. Well, okay. What else has happened? Mm. Yeah. So, um, so, so. Do you think that's why, like, like, uh, just for example, like, um, with like Love Island and stuff like that, kind of reality TV shows, people are more interested and in tuned to see like those type of things. The failures. Yeah, failures of other people. The, 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 the slings and arrows. Yeah. Yeah. But we still love a good story. We still yeah. love a good romance, and that—that's the other thing it's got. You know, we love. We love seeing success as well. So, we're, but but I think the internet, I think what's happened, and and again, I don't know. Mm, you know, this like, is so complex. Of but I think the information age is important. I think there's there's so much information coming forward now, and kids are being exposed to so much, mm. and kids don't think globally, they think locally. Okay. You know, when I was a kid, and 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 there was a there was a real concern about you know the Cold War was happening pre Berlin Wall and stuff. Um, Cold War was happening and I remember being terrified of the Third World War because yeah. there was now if something happened in, in Russia Russia-America relations I got scared I lived in Australia because we we localise you know we, we make it about us as yeah, kids yeah. now imagine the amount of messages coming through to children now is so profoundly mm. uh, negative and, and terrifying you know interest rates uh, the global financial crisis yes. can I get a job yeah. will I ever work will mm. I buy a house mm. That's a lot of pressure. Mm. So I think the internet has opened up the avenues towards uh, stressing kids out. Okay. Yeah. They're just getting so much. So it's been, been the same, but it's just, just the information. Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah. that's one of the aspects. The other aspect is, and this is a very simplistic uh, explanation, I know that, um, but like, you know, if you were getting bullied at school, that was like, we don't like you in a tribe, get out. Mm. And that caused great distress. You'd go home, you'd cry. You'd be upset, you'd go home and somebody at home would give you a cuddle and let you calm down and tell you that everything's going to be okay. So you'd go to this other tribe that was warm and nurturing and you'd get, and you'd heal. You'd emotionally heal. And then your dad would show you, come on, let's show you how to box or, you know, how to walk away or how to, you know, do that stuff. And you'd feel better and you'd be re reignited to go back to school. Yeah. Okay? Unless the bullying got really bad. Then, then somebody would move you and say, look, we're taking you away from that care for you but where does bullying happen now it doesn't happen in the school ground it doesn't happen with people it happens in your pocket yeah it happens in your phone yeah, yeah. and bullying is simply i didn't get enough likes 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Because I feel inadequate. Yeah, there's that aspect of it. I don't fit in anymore. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more experience. And, and then you go home. Mm. Do you heal? No. Now you bring your bullies with you. Yeah. And then you check them. You check they're still bullying you all night. Yeah. So where's the healing come? Yeah. You know, and I think that's another aspect of, mm. of, of you know, media and, and stress levels. You know, yeah. you, just, just, you just don't need to be stressed all that time. You know, we, we, yeah. working hard is not... Working hard is good and stress is normal. Yeah. That's another aspect of talking about mental health too. People can start to pathologize themselves right. and start to think that everything it's, is a mental illness. Right. No, it's not. Yeah. It's just it's just a hardship, it's just life. Yeah. And actually it's very normal yeah. to feel at yeah. times that yeah. you know and, and I believe that the simplest solution and it won't work for everybody, but first and foremost, help them feel safe. Help that person feel safe. And to feel safe, you have to be heard and understood. Help that person find something that they want to pursue because it is natural for us to pursue goals. Mm. i tell you what, I'll show you. I'll, if, I'll, somebody without a goal, somebody without a dream, a hope, you know, somebody without something that we're working towards, some self-improvement somewhere is going to be unhappy. You know, I can't think of anybody. Yeah. And, you know, even even the goal of enlightenment. You know, if you're yeah. if you're if you're in a cave in in Tibet, you know, you know yeah. <laughs> in India, and you and you're meditating, you still got a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of, so people without goals, people without ambitions and drive mm. in life, become extraordinarily thinking, "What's wrong with me? I should be happy. I've got everything." Yeah. Why do people keep working when they've got billions? Yeah. Because th- th- it's oh, not about the money. Really? You know, Branson yeah. doesn't have to work, but he loves it. Yeah. You know, these people, they're, they're driven by this sense of achievement, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Adele doesn't have to put out any more albums. Yeah. But, she but she's, she's you know, she's she's brilliant and yeah. she's got something to say. Yeah. There's, there's every, the life's full of these, you know. So, goal, being understood and helping somebody find something that they want to pursue, whatever that is, it doesn't matter. Mm. And and this will in, now some people can't do that because of all sorts of other reasons. Yeah, but in so there's an acceptance of our own plight, and there's all sorts of things. But I'm talking about treatment yeah, now, I suppose, more than anything. So yeah, yeah. Social media, I think, is it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It brings yeah, people then, together to a certain extent, but it yeah. keeps people alone. Yeah, Genuinely, are, some people have shocking lives. Yeah. You know, they yeah, just yeah, do. Yeah. It's just not fair. Yeah. You know, and, and they exist and they need as much help as we can give them. Yeah. You know, there's nothing about there's nothing about weakness there. There's a lot of people who've just been traumatised a lot. Yeah. And and having worked in those fields, you know, homelessness and that sort of thing, I've met people that I admire immensely, but they still struggle because they've had to cope with a lot. Mm. And I'm not saying there's, there's a saying that Marshall Linehan, who, who developed dialectical behaviour therapy for you know, real traumatised people in 1993, one of, one of her sayings was, you know, which she said to clients a lot, it's not your fault, mm-hmm. okay, that you are like this. It is not your fault, but you've got to fix it. Yes. You know, and I, and I like that. Yeah. Because, but first and foremost, people need to understand that they need to stop diminishing themselves, stop destroying themselves with this sense of failure mm-hmm. you know that's depression and anxiety you know and and recognize that it's actually a real thing yeah it's a real thing that they they can't do by themselves 
You've got to fix it, but you're not going to do it without somebody with you. Right. And somebody's got to be there to help you through that journey. Don't do it on your own. Yeah. You know, it's too hard. Mm. Um, and I think, and I think we're getting better. Yeah. It's saying, you know, let's do it together. Yeah. You know, it's good. We all got to belong. And I'll tell you what, if you, if you get understood by one person, you know what it's like yeah. when you meet someone and they get you. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't click. happen very often. Yeah, just click, yeah. It's brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's awesome, yeah. Just go, oh, I feel better. Yeah. My world sort of, I can, I can start to yeah. feel myself again. Yeah. You know? It's lovely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it might take a lot of years for some, if mm. they've had a lot of years of not feeling themselves, mm. you know, not feeling quite right. Mm. But for others, it might just be they just needed that, that experience yeah. and to get that new perspective. And then they can start to talk and reframe their own thoughts and find a goal and, and, and work despite the lack of uh, success, you know, because often there's a lot of, you know, with, with, with mental health, often people's recovery doesn't happen, obviously. Yeah. And often they don't think that there's any success and that's why it's really good to have a, a mentor, a counsellor, a friend, yes. a priest, a whoever that can actually step back and say, actually, you are improving, you just don't know it. We're always the last to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we're getting better. Yeah. We always think, no, because I still feel the same way. But actually, I have my behaviours. I'm slowly learning new ways of viewing myself and the world around me. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have schizophrenia, I've worked with lots of people who genuinely um, learn to accept the voices yeah. that they're hearing and they accept them and get to know them, so that voices may never go away. Mm -hmm. But they actually say, uh, exactly, yeah. I'm not gonna fight anymore. So, yeah. yeah. I think that, I think this is this has just been brilliant. I think you've got on every single like, kind of topic so well. And I just wanna say thank you as well. Yeah, no worries. Is there anything all. that you wanna say, you know, Yourself, just say training. training, just say <laughs> training. We've got a website, uh, we've got a website and we've got a um, Twitter, at say training. Yeah. And, um, and basically we go out and we do, um, look, I do training, it's sort of half day or one day training at Bespoke and whatever, and I, we've got about 30 odd courses, and we've got a few of us that I go out and deliver it, it's really small, mm. it's, it's just, yeah. and I want to get to the cause of things, I talk a lot about neuropsychology and neuroscience, so understanding what's going on for somebody, you know, like with foster agencies, I work with the police, I do a lot of police training, you know, yeah. mental health for, for the police and for fire services and schools all over the place, and it's just mainly so people, if I've got time, no. self-efficacy. Ability is one thing. Ability and knowledge is one thing. That doesn't make you good. Okay. You can be incredibly intelligent like and incredibly knowledgeable, but that doesn't make you good at working with people. Okay. You need that, but you also need confidence. Yeah? You can have a lot of confidence without ability and you're no good. Okay. You can have a lot of ability without confidence and you're no good. Okay. So I think training is really about learning a little bit more, but maybe also realizing after a day or half a day that actually what you know is good and what you're doing is right. Mm -hmm. So you walk away and you're more efficient, you're, you're better. You empathize better because you go, right, I'm here now. I can stop second guessing myself in that therapeutic engagement. So I think the training for me is about either some a bit more knowledge, but also a bit more confidence that what you're doing is, is good. Mm -hmm and some capacity to change some of the things in new perspective. So that, that's what I try and achieve in the training. Um, I'd like to trip this to uni and do some in crim criminology as well, but um, 
in mental health and substance misuse, we do yeah. a lot of substance misuse training because you can't divorce the two. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous to try and think that they're these separate. are separate issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not at all. So yeah, just say training is, and it's just say training. What is it? Dot co.uk see I, I'm not the expert in this stuff I just <laughs> I just I just write it and deliver it I don't yeah. know how to I don't even know how to use a computer really <laughs> of course I do of course yeah. I do um, and Aspie is a great charity in Worcester for adults it's an adult charity for adults on the autism spectrum we get you know four new referrals a week and you know probably 70 people a week drop in because of their need to belong and we get people there who come along and, and they come along and they don't really engage in any conversation at all but they've been coming for years so they must be getting something out of it because they can yeah. go and be on the computer at home yeah. but they come yeah. because they need to belong and, you yeah. know this is so profoundly important I think for people okay. yeah um, that'll do I think yeah. in terms of yeah. self-promotion yeah. 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 <laughs> thank you so much that thing, yeah. that's brilliant thank you Bill. no worries no worries mate cheers yeah. Yeah. that's brilliant that's oh, my God. that was wicked was that cool so, that was yeah yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. That was wicked. That was yeah, so cool. cool. We covered as much as we could.